Tonight's scripture reading will be from Genesis chapter 42, verses 21 and 22. Genesis chapter 42, verses 21 and 22. Then they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us, and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them, saying, Did I not speak to you, saying, Do not sin against this boy, and you would not listen? Therefore, behold, his blood is now required of us. Good evening, and welcome to our Sunday night worship service. We're grateful for your presence. We're going to be looking in just a moment at Genesis chapter 42, and we would invite you to turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 42, and specifically, we're going to be noting verses 21 and 22. And before we do that, we do want to, as always, welcome those who are visiting. We are grateful for your presence. We encourage you to come back and be with us at every opportunity that you have. We're thankful for the beautiful day that we have been blessed with, though it's been raining. Nonetheless, it's been a nice spring day, and the sunshine and the rain are greatly appreciated, and we are thankful that God has abundantly blessed us. Tonight, I want to talk to you for just a few moments about the theme, bad blood. And the setting for this is found in chapter 42 of the book of Genesis. Most of us, I suspect, are familiar with the story, the plight of Joseph. And we're going to talk about the circumstances of Joseph and particularly his brothers. And so we're going to be thinking about the theme, bad blood. I was thinking about this lesson And I was just reflecting back over the years when I was growing up. And I suspect that I was probably like a lot of you, if you had or have brothers and sisters. I can remember fighting like cats and dogs with my middle brother. And we fought often, but we still loved one another. Now, I might have thought about selling him out from time to time. But I never did that. But Joseph was sold out by his brothers. And so we want to think about that for just a moment. In chapter 42, we find before us, first of all, the bluntness of his brothers. Note, if you would, what is said in verse 21. In verse 21, they said to one another, We are truly guilty concerning our brother. Someone has said that confession is good for the soul. Well, these men stated the obvious. They were indeed guilty. By way of background, you recall back in chapter 37 of the book of Genesis, Jacob had a favored son. That favored son was Joseph. And Jacob had lavished upon him a coat of many colors. Joseph had dreamed some dreams, and his dreams riled his brothers. Because in his dreams, basically, they were bowing down before him. Their sheaves were bowing down to his sheaf. The sun and the moon and the stars were bowing down before him. And so the Bible says they hated him. 
And so in chapter 37, we find that Jacob had sent Joseph out to find out about his other sons, find out how things were going with them. And when they saw him coming, they determined then to get rid of this thorn in their flesh. And so the events began to unfold, and you and I know from reading the record that Joseph was sold into the hands of the Ishmaelites and Midianites. Later he found himself under Potiphar in Egypt, and he was serving Potiphar. Unfortunately for him, though, Potiphar's wife cast her eyes upon him, sought to seduce him, lied about the circumstances, and guess what? Joseph found himself in prison. And yet the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph. Not only was the Lord with Joseph, but the Lord prospered Joseph. Joseph spent some two years in prison. While in prison, he had the opportunity to meet with a couple of fellows, a butler and a baker. And they had dreams, and so he interpreted their dreams. And basically, their dreams spelled doom for one, the other would be released. The Bible says that the baker was put to death, but the butler was released. And Joseph asked him, when you get out, remember me. Well, he forgot him. And so, having forgotten him, a period of time elapses, two years, and now Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh is intrigued by this dream, and no one can interpret it. It is at that juncture that the butler remembered his faults, and he remembered that there was a man in prison that had interpreted his dream, as well as the dream of the baker. And so Joseph is brought out, and he begins to unfold this dream before Pharaoh. The bottom line, according to Joseph, there are going to be seven years of plenty and seven years of famine. Pharaoh was impressed with the wisdom of Joseph and his ability to interpret this dream. And so Joseph is made second in command in Egypt. And having assumed this great position, we now come to chapter 42. A famine has swept the land, and Jacob and his sons, they need the grain that is down in Egypt. They're in Canaan. And so Jacob instructs his sons to go down and buy grain. And so that's what happens in chapter 42. Now you pick up in the first part of chapter 42, and you find that they come and meet up with Joseph, who is the governor over the land. And the Bible says it was he who sold to all the people. Verse 6, And Joseph's brothers came and bowed down before him with their faces to the earth, reminding us of the dreams that he had, as recorded by Moses in chapter 37. Verse 7, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted as a stranger to them 
spoke roughly to them. Then he said to them, where do you come from? And they said, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. He accused them of coming to spy out the land. Reading this account, particularly the events as they began to unfold in chapter 42 and the fact that he recognized them, but they did not recognize him, makes me think that for just a little bit, Joseph toys with his brothers. As a matter of fact, the record tells us that he put him in jail, in prison for three days. And so, picking up now, Joseph commands his brothers to go back home. Note, if you would, verse 19. If you are honest men, let one of your brothers be confined to your prison house, but you go and carry grain for the famine of your houses and bring your youngest brother to me. That would be Benjamin. Benjamin had stayed behind. But bring your youngest brother to me. That's what the text says. And your words will be verified. And you shall not die. And they did so. And so now we come to verse 21. That's when the brothers say to one another, we are truly guilty concerning our brother. Now I want us to think secondly about their burden. You see, they in a very blunt way confess their guilt. But now I want you to think about their burden and note what guilt will do. Note if you would what is said. For we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us. And we would not hear. Now if you go back and read chapter 37 as Moses narrates this story. There is nothing said about any kind of verbal exchange between Joseph and his brothers. Nothing is said in that text about the anguish of his soul. Nothing is said about him pleading with them to spare him, to give him another chance, to give him a break. Not one word. But you, you can just imagine the fear that must have swept the heart of Joseph. Joseph was 17 years of age. He was a teenager. And here his brothers have cast him into a pit. And in that pit there is no water. And they conspire against him. And then, as a result of the intercession of Reuben, his life is spared, but he's sold into the hands of the Midianites and the Ishmaelites. And so, these boys, they were guilty. Sometimes I think we overlook what guilt will do. Think for a moment about what guilt had done to these brothers over a period of time. Now, we're talking about some 20 years elapsing in the lives of these brothers. And over this period of time, these men have had to bear the burden of guilt. Number one, I would submit unto you that guilt will weigh you down. Just think about what guilt does to the human conscience. Is it not the case that guilt 
will disrupt our sleep, our peace, our harmony in life. These young men had borne this burden lo these many years. Guilt will weigh you down. As a matter of fact, if you look over in Hebrews chapter 12, the Hebrew writer encourages us to lay aside every sin and the weight that doth so easily beset us. I think about guilt. And that's what guilt will do in the life of a person. It will weigh you down. Not only will guilt weigh you down, it will wilt your disposition. Individuals who are guilty, and they know they're guilty, do you think that they really have any kind of true inner peace and happiness? Now, I know that these brothers of Joseph, they had gone back home and they had lied to their father. And you know, over a period of time, things began to settle down. And it may have been the case that even though their father continued to mourn for their brother, maybe they could push what had happened to the back of their mind from time to time and free themselves from the guilt of their terrible deed. But you know what? Day in and day out, eventually, they had to face that thing. I think about individuals that bear the guilt or the weight of sin. Now, they may tell you that all is well, they're happy and they're at peace and everything's going well in life. But you know what? Deep down inside, you can't tell me that person is well. You can't tell me that somebody who is struggling with guilt is truly at ease in life. And so... Guilt will weigh you down, and it will wilt your disposition. But there's another thing. Guilt will worry you to death. I find it interesting over in Matthew chapter 6 that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, said on more than one occasion, do not worry. You can't live in guilt and be free from worry. It's not possible. Notice again what the text says. They said, we are truly guilty concerning our brother, for we saw the anguish of his soul when he pleaded with us and we would not hear. Therefore, this distress has come upon us. I just think about how over and over and over again, they had to listen to their brother pleading with them. Maybe there were times at night when they were lying in bed and they would think about their brother pleading for his life, asking them to spare him. And then also I'm reminded of the fact that Joseph's brothers never knew what was around the corner. When you have guilt in your life and you do not remedy that guilt, 
you never know what's going to happen next. Individuals in our world will sometimes engage in criminal activities. And they try to conceal those activities. But you know what? We may look outwardly at them and think all is well. We may not know what they've done, but they know. And they never know when what they have done is going to be brought to light. Joseph's brothers had been bearing this burden for 20 years. And now payday has come. And so they can say, therefore this distress has come upon us. And Reuben answered them saying, did I not speak to you saying, do not sin against the boy and you would not listen. Therefore behold, his blood is now required of us. We think about the cumbrance of guilt and sin, but also the consequences of guilt and sin. Was it not Paul that said, be not deceived, God is not mocked whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap? You see, there's a payday coming someday. And that's what these brothers came to realize. There is a payday coming someday. They were going to have to face up to what they had done. Now, Moses said in the book of Numbers, in chapter 32, verse 23, be sure your sin will find you out. There are times when we talk about people that have skeletons in their closet. And there may be people that have certain things that they've done in their past and they've tucked those away in a closet and they hope no one will find them. But eventually, that closet door is going to be opened. And those skeletons are going to come forth. Now, they'll either come forth in this world or in the world to come. But there is a payday coming someday. And these men, they had to bear the brunt of what they had done. I do not know what kind of anguish they experienced over some 20 plus years, but I know one thing, it had to have been a heavy burden. And there are people in our world today, they're dealing with, the, with guilt, and the guilt is a result of their sinful activities, and what they fail to understand is there is a remedy for that guilt. So you have their bluntness, their burden, but I want you to think in the third place about their blessings. Now, Joseph does not initially disclose himself to them. But I would invite you to turn over to chapter 45. Because in chapter 45, we have here Joseph making himself known to his brothers. Now, just put yourself in the shoes of his brothers. Had you done what they did, what would you think? If the man you were standing before identified himself as that long-lost brother, the very brother that you had sold into slavery, how would you have felt? Some 22 years have elapsed because they're now in the second year of famine. There are seven years of famine. 
how then did Joseph react to his brothers? Now, I said earlier, if you, look, if you go back and look at chapter 42, it appears to me that he did toy with them to some extent. At least he got them to admit their guilt. And I think he saw the anguish of their souls. But in chapter 45, the Bible says in verse 1, Then Joseph could not restrain himself before all those who stood by him. And he cried out, Make everyone go out from me. So no one stood with him while Joseph made himself known to his brothers. All right, here's the question. How did Joseph treat his brothers? I would submit unto you that, first of all, we have to understand the character of Joseph. Because his character is going to have a lot to say about how he deals with his brothers and their evil actions. Now, hold chapter 45, but go back to chapter 42 for just a moment. Because in chapter 42, verse 18, there is a statement made that helps us to understand the character of Joseph. In verse 18, Joseph said, Do this and live, for I fear God. Joseph was a God-fearing man. You recall over in the book of Exodus, chapter 1, verse 8, Joseph is dead. And the Bible says there arose a new king in Egypt that knew not Joseph. And the idea is there arose a new Pharaoh in Egypt that did not know the God of Joseph. Joseph became a light for God in the land of Egypt. And ultimately through Joseph, And the providence of God, some 70 souls had the opportunity to migrate to the land of Goshen and there become a mighty nation of people. And it would be through them that the Messiah would come into the world. But Joseph was a God-fearing man. Now look at chapter 45. When you think about the fact that Joseph feared God, when we talk about the character of Joseph... Just note, if you would, in verse 5, here is Joseph talking to his brothers after having revealed himself to them. In verse 4, he said, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. But now do not therefore be grieved and angry with yourselves because you sold me here. Now note, for God sent me before you to preserve life. Drop down to verse 7. And God sent me before you to preserve a posterity for you in the earth. Verse 8, so it was not you who sent me here, but God. Verse 9, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over Egypt. Joseph was a God-fearing man. And because Joseph served the God of heaven, it had a lot to do with how he dealt with his brothers. And so... His character. But now note his charity. Again, put yourself in Joseph's shoes for a moment. 
If you were in Joseph's shoes and your brothers had shown up, they had sold you into slavery, and you had spent some time in the home of Potiphar, and then Potiphar's wife had lied about some circumstances, and you got to spend some two years in prison. You had been separated from the father you love for some 20 years. What would your what would your thoughts have been in terms of meeting out punishment towards your brothers? How would you have dealt with them? Would you have been fair? Would you have Would you have put them in prison? You had the power. Would you have had them put to death? Would you have been kind to them? Would you have forgiven them? Now, again, put yourself in the shoes of the brothers. What would you expect? Had you done that to your brother, had you sold him into slavery, had he been separated from the very father that loved him for some 20 years, what would you expect him to do to you? I know what I would expect, and it wouldn't be good. But note if you would, first of all, Joseph spoke peaceably to his brothers. He could have ripped them. As a matter of fact, Joseph could have laid into his brothers. He could have talked about all of the heartache and the hurt he had experienced. He could have talked about the lonely nights that he had experienced over some 20 plus years, but he didn't do that. No, in verse 5 he said, Do not therefore be grieved or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. Now you know that's not natural, is it? Those of us that live in the world today, we are under the law of Christ. And we have to deal with people every day. And sometimes people will wrong us. Our first reaction might be to lash back, take matters into our own hands, to execute some type of vengeance. The Bible says, speaking of God, vengeance is mine. I will recompense, saith the Lord. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it hath been said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who hate you. Do good to those who curse you. Pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. That you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven, who makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the just, who sends the rain on the good and the evil. Christianity is not normal. And by that I mean we do not treat people like the world treats one another. Christianity is altogether different. Joseph 
did not live during the Christian age. But he treated these brothers as if he lived under the law of Christ. He spoke words of peace to them. Not only did he speak words of peace to them, but he spoke words of preservation. Again, put yourself in the shoes of Joseph. How would you, fe- how would you have felt about these brothers? I mean, Joseph could have dismissed them. He had the power to sell them grain or to not sell them grain. He had the power to care for them or to dismiss them. But he didn't do that. Put yourself in the shoes of the brothers. What would you have expected? Would you have expected Joseph to say, listen, come on, come on back down to Egypt. I'm going to take care of you. Do you really think that that's what you could have expected? Note, if you would, what is said. If you look at verse 10, well, look at verse 9. Joseph said, hasten and go up to my father and say to him, thus says your son Joseph, God has made me Lord over all Egypt. Come down to me, do not tarry. You shall dwell in the land of Goshen and you shall be near to me and your children, your children's children, your flocks and your herds and all that you have. Now note verse 11. There I will provide for you, lest you and your household and all that you have come to poverty. For there are still five years of famine. So what did Joseph say? He said, I'm going to take care of you. You want to talk about amazing character. Every time I read this story, I can't help but be utterly amazed at the life and the actions of Joseph. Joseph not only spoke peaceably to them, but Joseph was willing to go the extra mile and provide for them. Now you can read the continuation of this great reunion that ultimately takes place between Jacob and his son Joseph. And the scriptures bear out the fact that he did indeed care for them. As I mentioned a moment ago, they had the opportunity to settle in the land of Goshen, and there they became a mighty nation of people. But it was all because of Joseph and the providence of God. The theme of our study, bad blood. There had been some bad blood. Because the brothers had, they had done Joseph wrong. But Joseph treated them, I believe, in a godly way. What's the lesson for us? I think number one, do not try to live with guilt. These brothers tried to live with guilt. You can't bear guilt alone. There is a remedy for guilt, and that remedy is the great physician. There's no reason for any person to leave here tonight to pillow their head 
with sin in his or her life. No reason at all. No reason to feel guilty over past sins because the Bible tells us that God will forgive every sin. To those who are outside of Jesus Christ, when they come to Christ in simple trusting faith, repenting of every sin, confessing the name of Christ, and being buried with him in baptism, they enjoy the remission, the forgiveness of sins, Acts 2, verse 38. And the Bible tells us that the covenant that you and I live under is a covenant unlike any other. Because the Hebrew writer said, speaking of God, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. You see, if God is going to forgive the sins of your life, and he will, you don't have to bear that guilt anymore. You can go, you can go to bed tonight in peace, and you can have the peace that passes all understanding guarding your heart tonight. But there's a second lesson here, and that is when we are wronged in this life, our first inclination might be to take matters into our own hands, try to even the score, settle things out. What we need to try to do is remember that vengeance belongs to the Lord. He's going to take care of all injustices in life. Ultimately, Whatever has transpired in this life will be taken care of by a just and loving God. One of the things I think the Apostle Paul teaches in the book of Romans regarding this idea of vengeance is that as a child of God, what we need to do is stand to the side and God will take care of all injustices. Our duty, our responsibility is to do as Jesus said, love our enemies, bless those who hate us, do good to those who curse us, pray for those who despitefully use us and persecute us. In so doing, we will become more like our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So tonight we ask you the question, are you at peace in your life? Are you not only at peace with God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, but are you at peace with your fellow man? If the answer is no, our encouragement would be, come tonight. Come to Jesus Christ who can forgive every sin. If there are problems that exist between you and other people, my encouragement would be to follow what Jesus set forth in Matthew chapter 18, Luke chapter 17. Jesus said, if your brother sins against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. That's what the Lord said to do. If you're here tonight, you're not a Christian, would you come to Christ? If you're here tonight, you're unfaithful to the cause of Christ. If there's any way at all that we could help you in your spiritual life, we would be more than happy to pray with you and for you. In full assurance that God will abundantly pardon every sin, would you come as we stand and sing?